Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello folks, it's David here and I would just like to take a moment to ask you to go and check out our sponsors NordVPN. Internet security, very important. I'm sure it's something that you're concerned about as well. Me, I like to know that I'm the person in control of my data. I live on my phone and the amount of stuff I do on it from banking to documents to private messaging, I need to know is secure. We all know that there are bad people out there who will come in and uh, try and get our details and spend our money for us. NordVPN prevents that, especially if you're using public Wi-Fis or you're using Wi-Fis away from your home. If you use NordVPN, you are safe and protected. It also allows you to take short holidays to places if that's ever required. It's a brilliant product. I use it every day and highly recommend it. And you can get a tremendous offer if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand that's nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand or use the code heart and hand to get up to 70% off your nordvpn plan you'll also get one additional month for free risk free with nord it's 30 day back money uh, 30 day money back guarantee so all you need to do if you don't like it is just say nope and you'll get your money back so go and check them out as i say it's very important you'll get peace of mind Go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand. Hello everyone, welcome to Heart and Hand Extra. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host, and I'm delighted to be joined this week by none other than the best bust convener of all time. It's Andy McGowan. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well, David. I'm sure my uh, my bus members won't agree with that whatsoever. Oh, that, that don't do yourself doing, son. 
No, I'm being serious. <laughs> uh, we we better credit. Well, the listeners love you, and that's that's the most important thing. Um, we're back, of course. The proper football has returned. Uh, the Premier League back this week. We're here to discuss the match uh, against Aberdeen on Tuesday night, and then look ahead to the tie with Sterling Albion in the cup this Friday night. So let's head up to Pitodry, uh Tuesday night, Andy. Uh, not a good performance. It, it's got to be said. No, it was disappointing. It was really disappointing because um, we we did we just didn't do ourselves justice, is the way I would put it. And you know, some of it was self-inflicted. Some of it was our approach. A couple of areas of concern. I don't think there's anything to go too overboard with. But you know, you can look into these games too much or too little for both better and worse. You know, we've been up there and won when they've been absolutely rubbish, and you take too much from it. And then we've been up there and, and brought points late Tuesday. So uh, I suppose balance is key. But, um, you know, going to bed that on Tuesday night, uh, I wasn't feeling good about things, no. No, I think that it was the manner of the performance that that was most concerning to me. Because, look, I accept that you can go up there and the keeper makes four or five brilliant saves. Uh, that kind of thing can happen and you don't take your chances. But... There was a complete lack of, of two things. One was creativity and one was intensity uh, mm-hmm. in our play. Now, I do take into account, and I think you know we do need to be fair, as frustrating as it is, that we are just back after a, a, a three-week layoff. And that can affect people that, you know, it's great if they come roaring out the traps, but history suggests that more often than not, all teams take a wee while to, to get back to their peak. And I think that if you looked at Aberdeen as well, it was kind of similar. I mean, they're not a good side, but the watching the match back, the quality of it was really low. Tons of misplaced passes. You know, teams that, 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 that couldn't string passes together, which obviously suits them more than it suits us. And we'll get to the referee, but I'm sure people are shouting at their, at their device at the moment about that. Don't worry, we will get to that. But we just lacked cohesion. We lacked fluency. There wasn't a lot of invention. And uh, uh, it, it was a difficult performance to, to recommend. The guy I felt most sorry for, Andy, was, was Alfredo because I thought he was holding the ball up. He was linking when he could and he just wasn't getting the support. Yeah, I mean, you, you take the context that we're missing midfielders. Um, I think it's very, very clear now that Joe Aribo is a key man for us and there's a key man risk there. You know, if he's not there, we, we sorely miss him within the Van Bronckhorst um, set-up since he's been given that wee bit more added responsibility. Um, and that we had, you know, you, you're basically dropping the boy Sands in, which I think ideally you don't do that. You don't give him his debut at Pataudry after a lifetime in the MLS, which is obviously a different pace and intensity. So even taking into consideration, you know, we, we talk about our squad. We're quite proud of the fact that we've got a strong squad. We should be able to handle that. Mm-hmm. But what, what, what you've touched upon there, David, in terms of passing, I was disappointed that we seem to abandon a lot of the things that we have become accustomed to under Gerard, which was control of the game, control of the ball, and dictating the way the game is going to go, which is passing. You know, we would pass the ball and pick our moments and control them in the field and work our way through teams that are less than us. And we didn't really do that at any point. And uh, it became ever ever more increasing as the game went on because, you know, territorially, Aberdeen just moved up the park because of it because we weren't getting out to any degree. 
and it was more or less left to big switches of play, long balls over the top to, to the, the corners for, for Wright or Kent. I, I was disappointed with our build-up, um, and it, that shouldn't be the case, because even for what I'm saying about the midfield, if you've got Kamara and you've got Sands, who looks to be a ball player, you know, it looks as if he can take a ball and pass it and move mm-hmm. it. And Hadji, who, you know, I've, I've spoken about Hadji many times, and I don't want to get a name for picking on him, but, you know, if you're going to play in central midfield in any form for Rangers, you need to have an ability to take the ball and either turn or move it on. So with A3 in the middle of the park, I still feel we, we should be moving through the gears and up the park in a coherent fashion. It wasn't there. It wasn't there. Um, so that was my biggest concern, um, and that's before we get to the kind of, I'm sure you'll come out of the entrenchment and the defence and the defending of the one goal lead. Mm, I will, most certainly. Um, on Hadji, you and I have had a disagreement on here. People will know mm-hmm. that. Um, and I've defended him a lot, but it's becoming tougher. I did score. And that's, you know, he does have that ability. And I've always said that about him. He can provide moments, but he does need to do more because you can't just you know, score a goal and then be howling the rest of the night. He's not a winger. Um, I, I do feel for him a bit when, when he gets pushed out wide because he, he doesn't have the pace to play that position, I don't think, in the system that we operate in. But, you know, that that was his, his, the position he wants to play and it just didn't happen at all. I think that the, the thing that frustrated me is we, we had the, the, the team and you can see how it's supposed to function, but it, it quickly became almost a 4-2-4 with a huge gap between the two. Uh, and the four, uh, and that allowed Aberdeen space to play in, and they would come at us, and you're right, we began to drop back. Now, the idea, of course, is then, well, we'll hit them in the break, but we didn't, you know, we did once in the first half, a, a superb goal, it really was, brilliant from Alfredo to tee up right, he picks a great ball out, there's Ryan Kent, delivers a beauty, great running finish from Hadji, beautiful, right, it was an absolutely sublime moment, but we didn't do it again. You know, the, the, there were no real serious dangerous breaks that we made enough of from there on in. And that allowed Aberdeen to push up on us. And, you know, we can't sit here and say Aberdeen were excellent because they weren't. Um, they worked hard enough. Uh, that Some of their other tactics will come to paid off for them. But the I, th- I thought that Rangers were insipid, really. And I thought that mm-hmm. there was a passivity to our play. Uh, the whole match. We never really looked like going and taking it. The first 15 minutes of the second half, folks, if you watch it, is rotten. Is absolutely rotten to the point that the commentator actually says some, this game's waiting for somebody to grab it after 63 minutes. So the idea that you see, you know, the, the, the home team come out and they have a right go in the opening 15 and, you know, you come through that. That wasn't what was happening. It was a game that was scrappy. There was nothing happening. But Rangers seemed content with that, content to sit in the 1-0. And that was exemplified, I think, by the substitution, which I think by common consent, people were a bit surprised by it. And, and it didn't work. Bringing on John Lundstrom for Scott Wright, putting Hadji out wide. And um, that to me look like where we'll we'll see this out and you know with half an hour still to play Andy that's a long time to see it out because all it takes is somebody to hit a, a 30 yarder or a deflection or a mistake or a penalty uh, and that's what happened and that's what cost us Aye so, so if, we, if we go to that substitution when, when that happened you know my first reaction was right this is interesting <laughs> but I then because I was sitting with my dad and he's like ah, what if France is going on here and I says well I know what he's doing here. He's trying to get us a foothold in the middle of the park because, you know, I'm sitting there saying, let's start passing the ball, use the midfield, work our way up the pitch, 
by passing as opposed to long balls. And, and I thought, right, well, he's bringing Lundstrom on to try and do that. They give us another uh, person that can collect and move the ball from the back four. And uh, so at that point, I'm like, right, see what he's trying to do. We bit defensive. Would have preferred them not to take off right. Um, but very, very quickly, it became a case of, you know, we've just entrenched ourselves even further. It's not worked and we're, we're not getting up the park. Now, Scott Wright wasn't having a good game, right? And if I'm criticising Hadji for, for not contributing enough in a game, then, then the exact same goes for Wright. And he's building up a wee bit of a, how can I say this, a, a record of falling short. You know, he's, been, he's getting opportunities, he's showing flashes, we can see he's got pace. It is odd, odd moment, but he's still not reaching the levels that, you know, would see him become a, a mainstay in the first team we can recruit. So to take him off, I thought, right, I, I liked what he was doing. He was causing attacking problems and he was what he was looking after Johnny Hayes in a, in a defensive sense as well. So I could see that. But I'm going to talk about Lundstrom just for a second because... We all know he came with a reputation. He played in the Premiership. That gives you a certain cachet. But he's, he, he again, is somebody that I'm, I want to get a grab, a grab a hold of and say, you need Damien. Because there was a couple of occasions there when he came on, he got the ball in the middle of the park. I can see that he's got a good bit of space in front of him. And I want him to stride forward with it and bring the team up. But he doesn't. He checks and he turns in and it goes sideways. And for me, that is uh, it's either something that's, you know, in his nature, it's maybe overcautious, but I want more for him. I want to see the, the, the fact that he can play as a number four or a number eight, supposedly. I want to see more of the number eight from him, particularly when we're missing, you know, a rebo and so forth. So I, I was disappointed with Lundstrom, and I know that is really, really harsh given that he came on with half an hour to go, but over the piece... I'm wanting more from him. I want to see more of what he did in those that, that three, four game spell he had where he was man of the match every week. He needs to be braver going forward with the ball, straight forward with it. So um, I, th- that substitution did not pan out. And you could be generous and say it was to get us moving and, and collecting the ball. But I think, what many games went to be Gio now? Nine. I think what we can take from Gio's mindset is that, you know, let's keep the zero is actually, it's pretty defensive in terms of <laughs> defending the lead because the, the it's not a concern, but it was a note that I made over the piece. So St Mirren, we won 2 nothing. It should have been more. St, jo- St Johnson, we won 2 nothing. It should have been more. Dundee United, OK, one nothing. We struggled there. That was fine. Hearts, we should have scored two or three more at Tynecastle. And, you know, uh, they hit the post, things like that. That went our way that day. I just I would prefer for Joe, especially domestically, just keep going because these teams are not good enough to actually, you know, we, we shouldn't be having to sit in with them. I like to see that, just be a wee bit braver in his mindset. Um, understand that it's Dutch, classic Dutch, isn't it? I don't think we're good good enough defensively, but we're good enough in attacking, a counter-attack to actually fulfil what he's wanting to do just now. I don't know what you're thinking yourself, David. I just don't like any team, you know, the, the, even a if you're as good as you know, Manchester City at keeping the ball, football is such a random game that we've all seen it. The the big centre half who hasn't completed a pass gets the ball 35 yards out and leathers one. He'll never hit a ball like that again in his life. But it's why we love football, the random nature of it. You know, last night I was sitting watching Leicester City 2-1 up mm-hmm. with 30 seconds left, lose a football match. It's it, I, I, That's why uh, it's always 
a case that you you run a risk. Uh, uh, and a second, uh, particularly in the second half, I think would have put the game to bed. But we didn't we didn't play with an intensity that suggested that we wanted to go and get it. We seemed content to uh-huh. to, to to kind of hold what we have. And I just think in any sport, but particularly in football, um, if you try to see it out rather than go and win it then you leave yourself open to, to a reverse. And, and, and the worst part, Andy, is I can't say Aberdeen at the end were fortunate to get a point because they weren't. You know, it, it was it was a fair result, unfortunately. Going to have to talk about the referee. Um, now, you and I have, have had criticism in the past from people because we've said we don't think referees are biased, we think they're bad. Um, mm-hmm. In this instance, I think you can be both. Um, I... I, I, it's an unjustifiable display from Clancy, and not for the first time, but it was a ridiculous performance uh, given Aberdeen free kicks simply because they shouted for one. There didn't appear to have to be contact. The Ryan Kent bookings, which were, you know, awful refereeing, but then to then miss Annie's linesman is, is guilty in this as well. There's a couple of incidents I want to highlight. Firstly, Borna Barisic gets elbowed twice, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that's bad enough that that was missed. But Barisic is then lying on the ground and watch that. Watch the clip, folks. He turns to the referee and he notices he's got blood coming. And he says, I need treatment. He, Did you not see that? He hit me in the face. Mm-hmm. And the referee tells him to get up. And Barisic said, I need treatment. I've got blood coming from my nose. And the referee tells him to get up. But a minute later, Scott Brown tells the referee he's got blood, he needs to go off. He's got blood coming in, uh, coming down on his shirt. The referee makes him go off at that point when Rangers are defending a free kick, thus leaving us down to nine men to defend a free kick. Um, that's the kind of thing that can have a material impact on the game. There's then another incident right at the end where he has the whistle to his lips. He's announced four minutes injury time. It's 94.57. He has a whistle. He's checked his watch. He has a whistle his lips. And he notices Aberdeen get a free kick. He then uh, get a goal kick. He then allows them another 30 seconds to get the ball into the box, which they make a chance. Call me paranoid, Andrew, but the Mm -hmm. charge sheet is pretty big there. Mm -hmm. Kevin Clancy is his weakest pissed. And anybody as weak as that has no place officiating fucking Larks Thistle, never mind a, a top flight game. And I, I, so you, but we're talking about bias there. I don't subscribe to it, but what you've just said to me there makes you wonder, right? And without delving into mad paranoia territory uh, and, and filming documentaries about how hard done Rangers are. And we know the penalty decision where McGregor went for us and so on and so forth. But to go back to the fact that he's so weak, Scott Brown had him on a bit of string that night. It, it absolutely, and it was embarrassing to watch because even early doors, Brown was doing the thing where, and, and listen, I'm, I'm not saying this is bad or wrong. This is part of football. We need to be wise to it. But the slightest, I mean, he was touched by a player's aura. He went down. And, and you know, slightest wee thing, and, and Clancy was giving him a free kick. Really, really soft free kicks for anything and then everything. And then it just kind of exponentially grew for there because Brown, as a professional, and all he did is knew half go him with toast. He's, yeah. he's, doing, he's doing everything I'm telling him, Eddie. Yeah. It was like the ghost of Willie Miller and he, it took him over because that's <laughs> exactly what Willie Miller used to say in the 80s. And, and Clancy just get gradually worse and worse and worse. 
Now, whether it plays on his mind during the game that he's thinking, I'm having a stinker here, but I don't know. I don't know what a referee's mindset is. But the the the, the things you've just highlighted there are beyond the pale because the one with um, Barisic and the elbows, A, it's right in front of the linesman. I mean, it could not have been any closer. The linesman's right next to him. And Hayes' movement, it isn't as if, I mean, Hayes isn't six foot five, right? So his, his elbow is not down by side or his arm isn't down by side. He twice moves it up the way towards his face. It's not. It's also not a handoff because I do have a bit of sympathy for players that you know. Uh-huh. Always, but you, there's a way you do that, and there's a way where you swing your arm up and make a crook with I, your elbow, and it was the latter. Against the against your opposing player's chest, for example. Yes. Yeah. You hold yeah. off their torso, right? See if it's as high as your face. You've you've committed a foul. Correct. He done it twice in the space of five seconds. No, even five seconds. Three seconds. And and blood strong face face and the linesman and the referee are the savvy enough to say right let's stop the game. I mean if Barisic had went sat down in his ass would he have stopped the game? I don't know because Barisic was then. Barisic did sit down and ask for did treatment, he? which he was refused. Him. Now another thing about that was it was a head knock. So True. even if you think he's at it, you are a, you are bound and obliged to do it. Then the timing of when he sent him off, he could hold the game up and say, you're doubting nine men, this could have a material impact in the game. He chose not to do it. Barisic then gets the treatment and is ready to come on and he doesn't immediately wave him on. It, it was a dreadful, dreadful performance um, from a, a referee. Rangers attempted 20 tackles the other night. Statistically, folks, Rangers attempted 20 tackles and had 21 fouls given against us. Now that's, <laughs> that's some going. Aberdeen attempted 30 tackles and had seven. It, it, it's not the first time that's the problem. We remember Alfredo Morelos. Parkhead. Parkhead, clearly, but we remember last season Alfredo Morelos leaving the park with a hole in his leg and didn't even get a free kick yeah. in a match versus Dundee United. I don't necessarily just think it's us because I've spoken to fans of other clubs and they tell me that he ruins their games too. And I've banged on about this this week, but I think it's a legit point. What is the criteria of assessment for referees? Because if you and I regularly do bad podcasts, we don't have an audience. If players perform badly, they're dropped and then maybe sold to a lower level and eventually drop out the game. If a manager does badly, he's fired. Who's assessing referees? And what happens if they do badly? Or is it a case that once you become a Premier League referee, that's you for life? You've got tenure. Because that's what it seems to be. The other thing about it is is that there was an article in the Rangers Review by Derek Clark, and I think that this this bears repeating. There's this thing that whenever a defence is made of referees, that you know they're, they're volunteers, right? Mm-hmm. They're part-timers. It's not their full-time job. They earn £1,000 a match. Kevin Clancy was paid £1,000 for that the other night. Now, if you do 40 games over a season, which is in no way in no way impossible to do, then you're earning, obviously, £40,000. That's a lot of money for a hobby. That's a good salary. That's, that's way up on the national average salary on top of your day job. Now, Clancy's day job, he's a lawyer. That's quite a tough job. You're expected to work long hours. Can we be surprised that a guy who is doing that and then refereeing in his spare time, how much spare time does he have to dedicate himself to refereeing, to be better, to, to, to be at a good standard? And we've got these professional matches where Rangers and Celtic are playing for a £30 million reward. And we've got a guy who comes along here after a busy day at the office. I, I think there's something 
backwards here, Andy. I really do. No, you've, you've summed it up. I mean, Gerard, at the start, of, I think it was the start of last season, maybe. I can't remember, but anyway, he kind of made a commitment that he was going to be fair to referees because I think he, he was outspoken once or twice and then he, he reeled his cell in after kind of dialogue with the authorities. And and I, I applauded that. I thought that is a good place to be for Rangers because we should be leading the way in terms of, you know, we need referees and we should be sympathetic to them a point for, for many of the reasons you've just given there in terms of professionality and resource. But here, I think now that there's a case that... Um, we're, we're doing ourselves an injustice, right? Because just for a second, Clancy alone, the 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 Kent sending off, right? You will never ever see two bookings as soft as that result in a red card if you watch football all year every day. And then you go back to that game at Parkhead. We talk about and the penalty he gave against um, Katic. Remember? Yes. You will never ever see that penalty given in a thousand games of football. That's where you start to say, right, hold on a wee minute. Is this guy really that bad or is it just me? Now, what what, what can you do to make him better? You could become professional, right? But does that increase fitness? Does that increase alertness, do. sharpness? It should, it should. It should do. Well, I think the, the, kind of, the depth that he's going to in terms of uh, ability and decision-making is so far off what's required. I think you could say to him, you're a professional and every waking minute you work on the laws of the game and fitness and sprinting and check his eyesight every day. I don't think it would make much difference. It's still when they bring him up to standard. I think you're, you're probably could... right there, but as a general thing, you know, these we're spending vast sums of money on a, on watching this, right? And it is football and it does matter and it's a huge part of people's lives. And we're getting guys who are dilettantes, guys who show up a couple of hours a week and do this. But they're being very well rewarded for it. And I think that I think we're in a legit position to say, right, we'll up the money a bit, but you you are gonna to have to sacrifice. This isn't a second career. You either do this or you don't. And in the way that, you know, young boys have to give up other things to follow their dream to be in football, I don't see how that's unfair to ask referees to do the same. Yeah, so I'm gonna without going down a rabbit hole here, you've got a problem in that culture, David, because you mentioned there he works for a he's a solicitor works for a big, big firm. The environment he works in lends itself to being a referee because if he was a referee and he, worked, and he was a bricklayer, <laughs> he wouldn't be able to go to work because he'd end up in a cement mixer or something. That, that's the difference. Everybody that's a referee usually comes from a certain social strata Correct. and it lends themselves to being able to do what he did on Tuesday night without... And I'm not saying there should be repercussions. Please don't misinterpret what I'm saying here. But without being abused in his workplace or for somebody saying, by the way, you are absolutely hopeless, whatever. You know, that will not happen to him when he goes in the office in a professional place like a solicitor's firm the day after. So if you go to professional levels for referees in Scotland, the money that would need to be paid to extract the likes of him um, and, you know, call him a teacher, a principal teacher, to take them from that safe environment to become a professional referee, you would end up with professional re- referees getting paid more than some of the players on the pitch. Right? When you look at, you know, the likes of St. Marin and, you know, the pay at the lower end of the, the scale. So I think it's about a pipe dream. I don't think the money's in Scottish football at all. We talk about VAR. I mean, if we get VAR, we'd have enough people on a Saturday given all the football that goes on at all levels to man the VAR to a degree that's required. Um I, I just think that 
there, there needs to be a whole root and branch reform of refereeing. And part of that is attitudes towards referees. Part of that is looking at us. And, and I'm talking about Celtic here. You look at what they have done to the refereeing landscape over the last 10 years with foreign referees coming for Christ's sake because of the, the stink they kicked up over, uh, I can't remember his name, but the guy up at Dougie Hope or something? I can't remember. Anyway, they, they, they started that. Dooney McDonald, that's said Dougie Hope was years ago. But they, they kind of started that. They perpetuated it. They got away with it. They didn't get chastised for it. Um, and they've repeated it. I mean, we can go back to the AGM, and it was a banker, their chairman, is basically saying, we keep an eye on referees and we speak to the, the authorities. What is that? That is putting pressure in a pretty clandestine way against referees. That is a disgrace. So that starts the environment that we operate in. And this is where I think we're doing ourselves a disservice because we then, as a club, we either have to stand our ground and join in and, and try to fight your corner to get that as well, right? Which I don't want Rangers to do. But thereafter that game on Tuesday night, Gio Van Bronckhorst and Tavernier, club captain, on the telly, no mention it. There's, actually, they avoided it. Now, that's fine, dignified, all the rest of it. But who wins out of that? Yeah. I don't think it's us. It's so it's us. A, race, a race to the bottom, which is killing refereeing in Scotland. I think that the argument against it is, well, it won't change it. No, it won't change it overnight. No, you're absolutely right, but you still need to do it because that's you know, you still need to make it an issue. And if it's not an issue, then it's far easier to continue to sweep under the carpet. And I think that's that's what we're seeing. And it's why, incidentally, we should do it when we win. And we've seen an abysmal referee Aye. performance, which we've seen plenty, because, of course, it can be written off as sour grapes after a bad result. And I totally understand that. And if I was an opposition fan, I would do exactly the same. But that's why, if we've seen a horrendous... And we've seen plenty in games that Rangers have won comfortably, Aye. that we should be coming out and, and saying it then and highlighting. And for me, it's it's a standards thing because it's either that they're cheating or they're not good enough. It, so either way, they shouldn't be refereeing. And until we address it, it's just going to get worse. Moving on then, Andy, we take on Stirling Albion in the Cup on Friday night. Uh, it's great to get back to Ibrox. It's great to always enjoy a Friday night under the lights mm-hmm. game. And very much looking forward to it. It's a tough one in a sense, not because of the match, but I, I would really have liked a league game, you know, after the disappointment mm-hmm. of that night to get right back to it. But it is what it is. We, we'll get on with it. Now, it, the manager has said we're going to see some players that we don't usually see. We welcome back Kimar Roof uh, and Leon Balligan, he said today. Uh, Roof is going to be a big one because with the news that Alfredo is going to be off um, playing for Colombia and missing a couple of weeks' fixtures, then he is going to have to step up. Is, is he going to Jamaica? I don't know at the moment. It hasn't, right. been, hasn't been announced. Because I, I hadn't even thought of that. I was thinking about Cedric Atten, to be honest. But um, So this is the interesting part about Friday, is it gives you the opportunity to to bring fringe players, big key players, into the, to the start of the to give them some minutes in their legs. Roof, Roof for me, is our... You know, he's a dark horse because we often forget about him because he's in and out of the team that much and, and then he gets the odd injury here or there. But he contributes so much. Just look at what he did at Easter Road. OK, it was a penalty, but, you know, he, he's a guy you want to see come on. There's no a drop-off in quality, generally speaking, when he comes off the bench. And his movement's fantastic. And, he, you know, he's arguably the best finisher at the club now that the foe's gone. So, um, him... But I, I'm also interested, David... I, I, <laughs> 
So people say, right, you hate, you don't like Hadji, Andy, but you like Cedric Hutton. Explain that one. I just, I want to see and get a proper crack. And I'm interested to see what it'll do under Van Bronckhorst and Roy Mackay, because I just think that when we when we looked at what he did in Austria, uh, Switzerland, sorry, or was it Austria? Switzerland, wherever he was playing before he signed. Switzerland, yeah. Switzerland, all his games, all his goals were balls into the box, you know, headed finishes, first-time finishes, in and around the six-yard box because there was a supply to him. That is his game. And I think and I suspect that the way Van Bronckhorst plays that tweak he's made with the wingers, where they're just that bit wider and they're told to be a bit more direct. And the striker is told to get in between the 18-year lines would suit him to a tee. Um, problem is, he's not going to displace Morelis, is he? It's time for the Rangers Pools question of the week. Answer this week's question for the chance to win exclusive Rangers prizes such as match day tickets, signed merchandise, plus there is an Edmondson House package up for grabs. This week's question is, who was Rangers manager in the 2011-12 season? Think you know the answer? Then go visit www.rangerspools.com and click on the question of the week banner on the homepage. Also remember, every time you play Rangers Pools, you're supporting the club and the build of new Edmondson House, all whilst being in to win some huge cash prizes. Best of luck. So... I'll be interested to see who starts with Friday night, David, whether it's Atten straight through the middle um, or if it's Roof. I suspect it'll be Atten because if you're going for a like for like and you're looking forward to not just uh, Parkhead, but any time in the future where Morelis isn't available, I think Atten's a mere natural like for like than Roof. But, you know, I know there'll be an argument that Roof can drop deep like Morelis far better than Atten. So that, that, that's the thing I'm looking for on Friday is, you know, I want to see goals. I want to see people stake a claim and show what they're worth. I don't want folk to come in and just fizzle out and you're like, ah, you know, what can they contribute if they can't contribute in a, a cup tie underneath the lights uh, against Stirling Albion? I think there's also a need to get a bit of momentum going. And by that, I remember a couple of years ago, we played uh, a cup tie just after we came back from the winter break. And we all know that it proved to be a, a disastrous winter break for us. Um, this is uh, season 1920. And we came back with a cup time. We were rotten, you know, and we won two yeah. 0 and it wasn't much of a match, in all honesty. Um, you can't, you know, because it is just unthinkable that Rangers lose this match, right? So it's it's not about just getting through. It's about winning and winning well and winning comfortably and putting on a show and scoring a few goals because we need to build that momentum. We do have now, as annoyed as we all were by the draw. If you look at the, the results since Giovanni came in, we would absolutely all have taken them. You know, the day he took over, we were four mm-hmm. points clear of Celtic with, as we all said, our most difficult run of fixtures coming up. And mm-hmm. we are now sitting here with all those fixtures, bar a trip to Parkhead, done. And we are mm-hmm. four points clear of them. So we're in a good position. If you look at our next run of fixtures, it's a good run of fixtures. With Livingston at home, Ross County away, you would be expecting no disrespect to either of those. Livingston are doing really well at the moment. Ross County just coming off a great one in midweek. But even so, you would expect us to, to take six points in these matches. It wasn't a disaster. It's a, We're in a really, really good place. But we all know how momentum goes in football. When you have it, it's great. When you don't, you're aware of it and people get, get angry and upset. So tomorrow night to me is important, not just about winning, but winning well, 
get a performance, get a few goals, hopefully see some of the youngsters, uh, Lowry, McCann and King are in the squad, be good to see them. And then on to Livingston, on to Ross County, wins and knows, and we're in a good spot. Mm-hmm. No, that's a very that's a very wise description of where we're at. Because you know I told me that on Tuesday night? I was the same. I didn't, you know, it was like I looked in at the clock and it's six o'clock in the morning and I've been replaying incidents in my mind all so night. You just going to bed? Uh, I, I genuinely, no, I went to bed at like uh, half two and as I say, just sitting, what, you know, watching the game over and, you know, projecting it onto my eyelids and watching it back. <laughs> going, Why could you not do that? And, and it's true because, you know, it was a disappointment. We had the lead, we should have seen it up. And we would have been in, in a great position still, but we are in a good position. You know, it's it, mm-hmm. that run of fixtures, we did the hard work and we put ourselves into a good spot. Um, but equally, but if you were, you know, we know how it works at Rangers. If you were to lose or drop points in either of the two fixtures coming up, then, you know, the, the reaction will be bedlam. And we aren't in such a good position anymore. Um, so for me, if you look at these three fixtures coming up, they're, they're pretty ideal. A chance to to go in, play in front of the fans, score a few goals, play well, get minutes into the legs of players. Then you've got Livy at home. As I say, tough game because Livy are well organised mm-hmm. and playing well, but you'd expect to win it. Um, if mm-hmm. you know, we are the champions after all. Trip to Ross County again. You know they'll, they'll give us a game. Ross County have scored four against us this season. You know, mm-hmm. two, two, four, two matches, but you would again expect us to win. That's a, a, a ground traditionally we do well at, and. That's the reality of the situation we're in. We have an opportunity over the next month, I think, to go and win this title. I agree. I think, I mean, it sounds stupid. Of course, Parkade's a big game. But we're in a driving seat. We should be um, We should be looking at exactly as you've described it there, that we go and kill this, Right. The, the, the flip side is, as I always say, you recover from your, your setbacks is how that's what defines champions. So if we go to Parkhead right. and we drop points or we get beat, you know, and we're, we're a point ahead or they go a point ahead, that is bugger all. We, we lose our, we lose our shit nowadays unless we're sitting in a comfortable position. That's not how it works. And I've seen some kind of stats on Twitter yesterday where it showed the number of points we'd won the league by since some ridiculous like 1960. And it was always like single digits apart from some outliers like last season and advocates first season. So we'll we'll drop points, they'll drop points, we'll have good results, they'll have bad results, vice versa. This is football. We know what we need to do, um, but we need to keep our, we need to keep our head. I, I like cool heads, and I like to see people that, you know, you go in and if you get a kick in the balls, you get on with it and you move forward. That's how you recover. I, I was almost quoting Rocky there, but I can't remember it, and I'll do it justice and everybody will shout at me. But um, aye, we, we're in a good position. Wait, see if we actually look at it now, David. What's hurt is, isn't anything that Van Bronckhorst has done. It's the it's six points we dropped under Gerard It absolutely is. They are killers, and they, they're ones that I'm sitting there saying, fucking hell, they really, really hurt. Because we could be sitting nine or ten points ahead just now, and you're going to park with a free hat, you know. And uh, th- that, those are the ones that I hope we don't look back on further down the line and say, that's where we cost ourselves. So, you know, we've got a good squad, we've got a track record, we've got the mentality. There's nothing to suggest that. I mean, you look at Tuesday, and in some, some ways you look at it and you say, right, we saw it out. You know, we went down to 10 men, we're under cosh, we've got a referee like that, um, we saw it out. So you might look back and say, right, actually, that point was decent. 
Um, so I'm 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 sanguine about it. That's my gain a couple of weeks, David. Absolutely. If we're sitting here after three good victories in the next three matches, I think we'll all be in a very good place. Anything less, we won't be, but that's Rangers. And that's the pressure that comes of playing for a top side like us. Andy, a quick prediction for tomorrow night before I, I let you go? I think uh, 5 nothing. I was going for five as well, folks. So there's your there's your line, right? Thank you to Andy for joining us. Thank you to executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers. Please check out our sponsors, folks. And of course, if you want to hear more from all of us, Andy and I are just... Uh, become part of what I think is going to be one of our best ever shows over on Heart and Hand Patreon dominant the story of Graham Soonis and Walter Smith 86 to 98 at Rangers with Martin Ramsey uh, uh, hosting and, and doing the work on it and certainly the early reviews are very promising so go and check that out from just £1.50 per month you can sign up to be on the Heart and Hand Patreon honestly I'm cutting my own throat there thanks for <laughs> listening to us folks we'll be back on Monday with the next free Heart and Hand podcast until then Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.